0: Welcome to Change Already. I was thinking about the beginning part of the show, and it says warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So I'm just giving you a heads up today. I'm really going to try to work on the warm and fuzzy, but boy, (laughs) there might be a little more emphasis on the attitude today. First and foremost, I want to thank all the musicians who participated in the last couple of weeks in that series that I had, Soulful Songwriters. Gosh, there were thousands of hits on that and listens, which I'm really happy for them more than I am myself. They deserve to be heard, and their unique stories of how they tell about their life challenges and proclamations through their songs. So I really appreciate their honesty and their integrity and their truthfulness on how they do their own inspiration and inspire the rest of us. So I hope you enjoyed the enlightened conversations they had the last couple of weeks. And of course, if you weren't able to listen to all of them or you missed one or two along the way, they were all unique unto on, on, on themselves. So really go back to the archives at Blog Talk Radio under Change Already with Jillian. And the series actually started in February. And they're all labeled with the specific soulful artist and then the two at the end, which were the ones in the future. I hope you go back and listen. And more importantly, I hope you go find their music to purchase. That's always the end result of what we want. You know, and... For some reason, this whole spirituality thing and religious ideas are such a hot topic right now. If you noticed in the news the last year and a half or so, maybe the last two years, religious stuff and spiritual stuff is like booming. It's on Main Street everywhere. People are talking about it, which is great, but maybe I'm just a little overly sensitive when it comes to the issue because it's always piquing my interest when I read or hear something new or different and unique. And today and the next week, I want to talk about something that I stumbled upon, and probably a lot, of, apparently, a lot of other people too have now. The latest and greatest strange addition to the Pulp Culture Reality Program setting has started this new program in the last couple of weeks on Lifetime called Preacher's Daughter. Well, for those of you that are new to the program, that, as you may know or may not know, I am a preacher's daughter. And, of course, that blue red flares all <laughs> All around me, black bears, blue, green, yellow, all the chakra colors just kind of went shebang inside of me. And I do consider myself a part of the preacher kid crowd. And I really have mixed emotions about it, as I wrote about in my book. But I want to read you the very first paragraph in my book, Beyond the Pews. Ever since I wrote this book, it just becomes more and more relevant as it seems to evolve. It's been out now a year and a half, and all different kind of things just seem to keep lining up to make it more relevant. So this is chapter one in the book. Listen to what I say. The chapter name is, Do You See What I See? I'm a direct descendant of what is sometimes called American spiritual royalty. This select group is comprised of preachers and their families. It's an elite subculture culture of individuals chosen to help God's people down the century-worn trail towards human salvation. Specifically, my father was a Christian minister and I was what others tag as a preacher's kid. This label never really bothered me. In fact, I thought it was silly slang that described my special status. There's an odd sense of entitlement attached to this kind of illusionary notoriety. As a preacher's kid, I had direct access to the world of religious fame where privileges and opportunities abound. Page one, Beyond the Pews, Breaking with Tradition and Letting Go of Religious Lockdown. I have to admit, there is enormous weight in what people perceive as preacher's kids in the world, and I find it odd that now they have a reality show. And after I got through it, I thought, well, maybe it's not so odd because people do seem to have this strange thoughts and addictions about it. I don't know. It's just people have a wanting to understand. And I really believe it's because it has this closed group society of people. And Lifetime has taken this closed group of people, which is very private in my perspective, and allowed people this inward, inside peek to what really happens inside the world of ministers' families. So as a good reporter, I sat down and forced myself literally to watch the first couple episodes. A long time ago, I had a friend of mine who wanted me to watch The Sixth Sense. Do you remember that movie? And I watched that movie and I thought to myself, I never want to see a movie like this again. And there was a plethora of reasons behind my rationale and my decision I made. One, intuitive stuff is never really appreciated and it spins into this strange, undervalued gift. And the second part to that Part is that I never wanted to watch anything that or read any stories that pertain to preachers' kids again, that same perception of typecasting, and for the most part, it usually shows a negative cast or a dark shadow on the whole subject, and I'm no different than anyone else. I have a love hate relationship as you can imagine. And any of you have looked at this show, so I sat down and I forced myself to watch it. And there were parts of me that really started to trigger things inside of me from my past, as you can imagine. But I excrucially went through everything that they had on there. I watched every family. I read every family. And... It started to remind me of that series that I did and that show I did a couple of weeks, a couple months ago on toddlers and tiara. And I was really hoping that it wasn't going to be that vulgar. And I'm happy to say that it didn't have that kind of anger and angst to it, but it certainly did have some things that popped out in front of me and unfortunately or fortunately, Lifetime has typecast the whole players in the game, the whole families. Of course, there's some of the girls that are kind of naughty and, and not going down the right path, and there's one little girl that has already gone down the path and trying to pull and rein herself back into be a more religiously correct young lady, And then there's one that I seem to identify the most with, which is she's really trying to be a good girl, but yet she is following the footsteps of all teenagers and the challenges and opportunities that you get as a teenager growing up. So I did identify with one of the young women, and you can watch the show and see which one you think I belong to, (laughs) I know which one she is, so we'll just leave it at that. It just started, so I'm not really sure where they're going to go with it, but I was starting to assimilate some thoughts and ideas on that and how the sad stories were starting to unfold between the parents the religious organization, and the young girls that live within this system. So after the break, I want to talk about some of the similarities I saw and how we can even approach those in our own lives, even though you aren't a preacher's kid. Well, I'll see you on the other side, and we'll talk about religious fear. for more welcome back here's your host jillian warm and fuzzy with an attitude back before the break i started introducing the next mini series i'm doing which it didn't start out like that but after i got into the subject i realized there was more to cover than a half hour obviously i was talking about the new reality show out of lifetime called preacher's daughters and if you don't know that is my history my spiritual lineage and proud of it but I do kind of have a love-hate relationship. One of the things I noticed that I saw out on the streets once my book, Beyond the Pew, started getting out in public, and in the book I go into great detail about being a minister's daughter, but also as an intuitive double whammy, (laughs) in some eyes, a double whammy to live with. And I started hearing these cohesive, sad stories although there was the element of being a minister's daughter and, and and all the the elements that go with that and fear and everything else i started hearing a lot of personal stories from people that had left the church or been wounded by the church or were still in the church and had such religious fear about what they had done and that they had been spending lifetimes of healing these deep wounds of fighting and pushing away the demons that I had been battling with all these years about letting down the source and how could I do this and whatever it was. And so I started to realize the scars and pain that I was working with were very relevant to everyone else and that people all over the world were dealing with these disabling and destructive issues that follow you from child, from childhood into adulthood. Now, the other flip side that I started hearing were these glorious stories of people having their lives saved from the human conflict and how the religious part of their self and their religious organizations saved them a time or two. So there's both ends of the spectrum when I started working with this. But one of the things that I that really struck me was that I really believe in this close society thing. And I want to talk about the girls in particular, the rest of this time we're together and how the show is surrounding their comings and goings as young teenagers and how they try to fit in their religious thoughts and their own personal convictions. Because it seems like the children, the young girls, really do like their faith. It doesn't seem apparent like that. But how do you align that with common challenges like dating or hanging out with friends? One of the little girls touched upon something that really hit me hard when I was watching it. And it was very profound, and she doesn't even know it yet. And I bet to the average listener, it just passed by without a thought. But you can imagine it triggered every yes button inside of me. She stated that everyone already thinks that preacher's kids, i.e. daughters, do bad things all the time, so why not do them anyway? I cannot tell you, if I had a nickel for every time that people say that to me, and you can imagine my life, I have a double. I'm not only an intuitive, I'm a a preacher's daughter, excuse me, and I'm an intuitive. So you cannot imagine the ridiculous things that people have said to me over the years. You know, and they and they don't know which one to make fun of first. Do you make fun of the preacher's daughter first, or you, do you make fun of the intuitive part? And why in the world I am in the middle of all this is beyond me. And this is what I'm always talking about: with your soul call, calling comes in all packages, and you know, at some level. I adapted that same young girl attitude myself when I was growing up. It was like, who really cares? Because I realized they're going to talk about me one way or the other. They were going to talk about either parts of myself, irregardless of what I did or what I said or how I offended my, I mean, defended myself, all this. Now, the caveat here is, like I told you earlier, I really played the middle of the road. I really wasn't one of those girls that went out and did all this stuff, or I wasn't goody two-shoes either. I think I did a normal teenage stuff, and it came and gone, but one thing I really did the whole time was I really went my own way. I've always had this inner sense for a long, long time of doing my own thing, not from a place of deviance, but a place of knowing what I was supposed to be doing at any given moment in time. As I watched these young women, I could see that they were starting to formulate their own opinions, but not allowed to, and we'll see how that unfolds. But I'll give you an example in my own personal life. I remember the day I came home and I introduced one of my closest friends to my parents, knowing full well of his sexual preference was something that would not be embraced at that time by my religious parents or my religious community that I was in. And I was out of my teens by then, and I thought that it would be okay to bring this person around my life because he had become a very important part of my life. But I remember the sheer terror Pulsing through my body. I can't even put words to the religious fear I was having in my heart because I was at this strange crossroads of feeling honor and cherish and love for the person, like a family member that I wanted to share with my family. He was always so kind and so giving and a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun together. And all I could think about was how forbidden this relationship was and how religiously wrong it was in so many ways. But yet I was so proud of my friend to let him in my close circle as I saw it to be part of the people that I loved as people. But yet I knew that there would be consequences in the end. Even though we all have things like there, there's a common bond that happens with this. In this kind of religious sphere, is no, it, is, it is indescribable to people for a long time because you live in contradictions, because you can't always pick the people that you in, fall in love with. Because for me, he was everything that represented the church. The other part was he loved his church and religion as much as I did. We both honored our faith, faith, but yet it was eating at places inside of us that no one could see from the outside. And from the distance, you couldn't tell the holes because we had spent all of our waking time living in fear, and cloaking our fear from the light. And at some point, this religious fear for me became my familiar friend. And the only thing that kept me alive was the fantasy in the back of my head that someday I would be able to break through this religious fearlessness and coexist in the world without any religious fear. I don't want people to look at this show and think it's funny because at some level it's very sad, but it's very true. I want people to see the fear in these young children's eyes. And I don't really blame the parents because the ministers are just playing a role themselves. If you listen to what they were saying, they truly believed in what they were telling these young girls to do. It's very hard to balance in the world between religious fear and religious fearlessness. That's why I've been able to separate over the years between religion and spirituality. Because at some level, each one of us, if we live in a life like that, we come across breaking through two persecutive swords for me in the religious code was religious and, and parent fear. <laughs> of course, we each have our own parental fears of breaking the rules and defying our parents, but then you couple that with spiritual disappointment and religious appointment, you can imagine how much pressure that puts a person under. And in the reality, either this imagined fear will either break you or it will make you stronger. Studies have concluded that religious fear is probably one of the most damaging and devastating kind of fears that any one person can have to repair on a human psyche. You have to fight back from your parents, but most importantly, you have to release the fear of the God source. I've come since to learn that everybody has some kind of fear. For me, it just happens to be religious fear. But the reality is fear comes in all different packages. So if you can get beyond that it's associated with all that we're supposed to build our life around and that the approval of this religious sect or religious organization or spiritual aspect or source can forgive you for what you're doing and that you haven't been in forbidden territory. But the truth is fear comes in all places whether it's religious, whether it's relationship, or even, God forbid, self-inflected. If you can start separating out the truth of that fear, you can start unraveling and rebuilding. Fear is fear energy. It will be a constant balance of check and recheck. Some days I have better days than others. I've realized at this point in my life that my religious fear is going to be something that I have to deal with all the time. And I'm, I figured out through the books that I'm not alone. What triggers fear energy inside of you? The show did this for me, but it was also good to see as I watched it from beginning to end how much I've grown and separated my religion from the fear of the world. I enjoy my religion, and I've realized and been able to unnest myself over time because I guarantee you 10 years ago, I could not have sat through that and watched that entire show. I could feel the fear rising to the top of my emotional scale But I've learned how to get out of that religious box, thankfully, through a lot of friends, meditation, and prayer. My sadness right now is for those young girls that I could see by the look on their faces that they were starting to get fearful. Fearful of life, fearful of making mistakes, and fearful, more importantly, for letting down the people that were imposing these boundaries on them I hope at some point that the ministers go back and look at themselves I wonder what they see do they see that they're a part of this religious fear that's being put out into the world One of the things I thought was interesting was the woman minister and how she had turned and imposed her own human-made rules and hid behind the religious wall to create them. The other thing that struck me very interesting, and I want everyone to pay attention and watch this, is that every one of those ministers had a troubled childhood. They were very forthcoming in talking about how their troubled childhood has brought them into an adult career. Now, I'm not saying that that is a commonplace for all ministers, but just watch how it plays and makes a role model and how that influences them as leaders. One of the things that I've learned is forgiveness. I've had to do a lot of forgiving in the world, forgiving of other people, forgiving of myself. But the one thing I have never asked forgiveness for that I can remember is my own source. That place, the God source, I have been thanking with all my heart for choosing me to have the experience of being a minister's daughter and wakening my soul with life lessons that people can only dream about. The human fear doesn't equate to that part of myself anymore. Human caused, human cured. Next week, I want to continue into the subject, and I realized that there was more that we need to touch upon. I really want to talk about religious guilt, and community guilt and parental guilt and how you break through their barriers and how, for my life, my religious foundation has huge payoffs. But remember, between now and then, change doesn't have to be difficult, but it is necessary to grow. I'll see you same time, same place, next week, Blog Talk Radio. High noon. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. You can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before. Just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already.